Hello, and welcome to Dimensions of Imagination, an anthology TV podcast. Uh, I'm Joey, and with me is my co-host, Jackie. Hi. Uh, this is our first episode, and the reason we're doing this this show is because we're really into anthology TV. We're big fans of it. And what we mean by anthology TV is shows where each episode is an, a new story. So shows like The Twilight Zone, Amazing Stories, uh, Tales from the Dark Side, um, and shows like that. A lot of sci-fi and horror shows, some mystery shows thrown in there. Um is that a good description yeah, of the anthology TV so. show? I guess. Um, the biggest one being the Twilight Zone. <clears throat> um, we're both big fans of the Twilight Zone. Rod Serling, the writer of the Twilight Zone, is like producer was one of my my heroes personally. And there was a point in time in my life where I actually wanted to go to grad school to study the Twilight Zone. That was going to be my thesis. I never did that, but um, it's something that I've always wanted to, I guess, analyze the show in a way. Yeah. Um, and I just remember um, the Twilight Zone from childhood and it being on TV, especially on New Year's Eve. There was always the Twilight Zone marathon. And um, so it was just something that was always around. It, I'm really into horror and mystery and some sci-fi. And so it's a show that's right up my alley and it kind of opened my horizons to other anthology series like you were talking about yeah and i have a family connection to the twilight zone too my dad and brother both used to watch it when i was a kid i didn't really watch it with them but they they watched the old uh, show and the 80s version and then when i got to college uh there was a just a they used to do the marathon on labor day weekend on sci-fi channel and i just happened to you know i think a lot of kids went home for labor day weekend or whatever and i was still at school and uh, at college and I, i watched just binge watched tons of the twilight zone and I, I got super hooked on it and then i started watching the uh, new year's uh, marathons every year it's like a big i still put it on tv on new year's day it's like a big thing in our house so yeah. um uh, uh, the only the other thing like we're not just going to do the twilight zone because we realize eventually we'll run out of episodes um and the twilight zone is something we've seen a lot of both of us have and we're kind of excited to do some other shows that we haven't watched ever before and because it's anthology tv we don't have to do these in order so we're going to do four weeks of one show and then move on to another show we'll just kind of a rotation we'll probably do more twilight zone than everything else um just because it's the one we're most excited to talk about but we're going to do four weeks of the twilight zone right now and then we're going to move on to some other anthology tv show we'll just we'll figure out we've got a list of them um there's tons you know so we're kind of excited about that so uh what we're we're gonna do is we'll have the the uh, the title of each episode listed in uh the show notes and the title of our episode so that you can watch it ahead of time and obviously um you want to watch these episodes so that you can follow along with us and there will be spoilers we will go over everything uh we're not just going to be a recap show because i don't really see the point in that but we're going to go you know hit the main plot points and then do a little discussion about our views on the on the episode and then my favorite which is pulling out trivia that i like to find when i really like an episode of something i research it entirely afterwards and love to find different trivia facts so i have some of that lined up for everyone as well yeah that's gonna be really helpful because i'm kind of bad at keeping track of all that stuff so jackie's good at taking notes um all right, so let's get into this episode. We're starting off with the very first episode of The Twilight Zone. I guess it's the pilot. Um, I, the, I looked up some trivia. Did you see that there was actually an episode before this? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Did yeah. You, um, that did not air. It did right? not air. Wait, or it aired on a different... It was on a different show or something. I think there was a show called Out of Time or something. So this was actually not the first episode that was written. Um, Rod Serling wrote The Happy Place, uh, which I'm not sure if that's another episode at another time. I don't don't think Um, it was ever made. But they, uh, the network deemed it way too depressing because it happened to be about a society that executes people when they turn 60. And so they, um, they went with uh, this as the pilot episode instead. So I don't even gotcha. know that, I don't know for sure that The Happy Place was even ever shot, but it was written. Yeah, I don't think it was one. shot uh, from, my, from my knowledge of the, of the show. Um, there was a... Uh, so there was a there was a show he used to do work on a show called Playhouse 90 and I think there was an episode of that that was kind of a precursor to the Twilight Zone mm-hmm. it's considered like the sort of spiritual um, pilot before the pilot mm-hmm. but I couldn't find much information on that when I looked on Wikipedia but this is for all intents and purposes the first episode of the Twilight Zone mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> it's called Where Is Everybody and uh, you want to go over the information from it yes yeah, so uh, it's air date the original air date was October Second of 1959, uh, written by Rod Serling himself, directed by Robert Stevens, and the main actor that we see in it is um, Earl Holloman, and he plays the character of Mike Ferris. So interesting trivia point here is that um, Tony Curtis was actually uh, offered this, this role, and he wanted too much money. Oh, wow. So they went with um, th- with this Earl Holloman, who I... Other than this, I don't recall him being a big name or anything. Um, I think he was in other TV shows, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, not super well known. It is it is interesting to point out, like already they were about to have somebody like Tony Curtis on the show. There's so many classic that we would consider classic now um, movie stars and TV stars that had their beginnings on the Twilight Zone or early in their careers they appeared on the Twilight Zone. We don't really have that in this episode, but uh, it's definitely something to watch out for. Yeah. And so since this is the very, this is the pilot episode, this is also the very first time we hear that famous narration that is the beginning of Twilight Zone. So it does vary from episode to episode. Did he actually do the narration in this one? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, he, you mean the, um, the, the, there's a fifth dimension yes. beyond blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Not the, um, cause he doesn't even do an opening monologue in this one, right? No, it, it, it it's straight into it. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, you're talking about the intro where they say the famous lie and then they play the, um, I think Bernard Herman did the music mm-hmm. in the first season. So it's his little, it's yeah. not the most famous of the Twilight Zone themes, but it's, but this is the first time we hear Sterling do that. Yes. And originally they were not going to have Rod Serling as the the quote-unquote narrator. Um, it was originally um, an announcer named Westbrook uh, Van Voorhees. Um, <laughs> so he actually what recorded the original narration, um, and he was going to stay on as the series narrator, but then he had a, a contractual, you know, that story of too many things, contractual He was booked on something else, yeah. Um, so he couldn't commit and then so they kind of shopped around for a narrator orson wells was thrown out uh they tried to get him to narrate Mm. um he wanted again too much money and then finally um 
Rod actually made the suggestion that he do it. And it's so iconic now that it's interesting to me to think about a show that wouldn't have had him do that. Yeah, it's such a creator show. It's such a, he's like, you know, we think about showrunners on shows now and how important they are and how their voice is told, not usually literally on the screen, but like this one is so important that like this, a lot of the stories came from him. He didn't write everything, but he wrote a lot of them and everything into involved with the show. He had his hands in it. It's very much a, an expression for him. Like it was, the show was to, for him to express and tell the stories he wanted people to see. So to not have his voice on it would be, I don't know. It's weird. It would <laughs> it's be such really a big, weird. And big part of the, and it's such a pop culture culture thing like people parody it on Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. and things like that like everybody knows you could never have seen the Twilight Zone and you hear that intro narration and you you know that's going to be about something spooky and something weird and yeah and it it kind of carries over into some of these other anthology series I mean a lot of them are the ones that he also had a hand in but I know, right. like Night, Night Gallery, Gallery. yeah he went there's on to do that Night Gallery. And, you know it's it carries over to today with even Jordan Peele's run of the, the Twilight, Twilight Zone, Zone. Yeah, he he's, does that iconic narration too. So yeah, he does it very much in the same style as uh, as Serling. Um, it is interesting that this episode did not have the intro monologue though. So like Serling, in most Twilight Zone episodes, he appears on screen, usually on the set of the whatever story they're telling, and he gives a little synopsis of like to set the story up. We're dealing with except for the one season of the Twilight Zone that was an hour long. The classic Twilight Zone, most episodes are thirty minutes probably less than that when you cut cut out the commercial time and stuff mm-hmm. you're talking like 20 minutes so it was important for i think for the show to keep the storytelling really tight they would have him be on the monologue to, uh, in the beginning to like kind of give a little bit of like a setting so mm-hmm. that we know where we're starting we have to do a lot of legwork um but it's it's absent in this one i don't know why i guess they just didn't structure it for the pilot that way but um anyway we can get into the recap if you want do you want to go over uh, the basics yeah. of it um, so we are planted immediately in, um, what appears to be a town, mm-hmm. um, and we are met with Mike Ferris, who is wandering about the town, um, and it is seemingly deserted. So he's going to all these locations and he can't find any people. Yeah. And he doesn't, he doesn't seem to know where he is and he mm-hmm. it's like he has there's nothing it's a blank slate he's not even like oh my god i don't know where i who i am or whatever he's just kind of like exists mm-hmm. um almost like an amnesia episode mm-hmm. he's trying to figure out where he is and why he's there um he the i think it's exceptional acting because this entire episode until about the last two minutes is solely mike just ferris him. yeah um interacting with the environment and the set and he basically narrates for you through his outer dialogue to himself yeah. um he kind of has to carry the entire episode that way because um, he, he has to kind of explain what's going on in a way that like i don't know the inch like one the perfect example is he goes into a diner i guess and he he's asking like he he's yelling into the back to see if there's a cook there because back in the you know back in the 50s you'd go in and you know the cook would come out and make your coffee and this and that mm-hmm. and so he's like shouting his breakfast order and it, 
uh, he, you know, he has to, he finally finds out the guy's not there. And I think there's music playing. Yeah. It's there's very strange. It, it's, um, it's all these moments that seem like someone has literally just stepped outside of the room. Like there's the coffee pot on the stove, the jukebox mm-hmm. is playing. Um, he walks into the police station and there's a cigarette, a lit cigarette in the ashtray. Um, yeah. It's he's in the middle of it's like, where are all the people? How are the people even gone long enough to like have this still be lit, this cigarette lit and everything? And it doesn't appear that there's any destruction in the town. It's literally as though people vanished. It's very eerie. I think if I was in that situation, I would have gone insane immediately. It's yeah. just very it's a very eerie overall sense to to it. Um it almost reminded me of, uh, it reminded me a lot of um, the town in the movie House of Wax. So mm. I have only I seen, seen the uh, like newer version. I don't uh, know if remake. there was an, the I've Paris only seen Hilton the remake. Version. Yeah, the yeah. Paris Hilton. <laughs> yeah. But it's very much the same thing where he encounters like that in, in the House of Wax town. They in encounter mannequins and the, and the people made of of wax all over right um but it's this eerie feeling of you're the only only person only there person. yeah there's that spookiness to the episode and it's the 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 actor what's his name again um the actor was earl holloman or Ho- earl holloman carries the the episode because if he wasn't good in it it wouldn't it would be not very good um and to be honest it's not my favorite episode of twilight zone we'll get into that later but it's uh it definitely rides on his performance um we can keep going with the the so basically and he has this nice well not nice but he has this freak out in the the phone booth at some point which is very like he uh gets he goes to a phone book to try and make a phone call and he gets stuck in a panic in a panic in the phone booth and um Rod Serling actually modeled this after something that happened to himself. So he oh. was um, he was at an airport telephone booth and he overheard the call for his flight. And in the panic to try and get out of the booth to get to his fi- flight, um, he pushed on the door instead of pulling Pull. it, okay. which is exactly what happens in um, this episode, except in Rod Serling's case, he flagged somebody down and they kicked the door in for him. <laughs> in this episode, um, I think he ends up... He, he figures it he out. Figures he figures it pull out. It, but, he's like... Eh, um, yeah. He definitely has this, like, it's a claustrophobic moment, you know, which, I mean, it's a, if you've ever been in a phone booth, it's a small space, uh, you know. And, he, yeah. and he's just tried to make a phone call, and, you know, he's not gotten anywhere. He's getting this pre-recorded message, and the, the mystery continues. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then we get to, I guess, next he's he's going to the theater, right? And um, well, he goes to a, a, a library or a store. Yeah, right. Um, which is also interesting because um, he goes, well, hold on. He goes to the police station, which we talked about, and then to um, a shop. And, you know, he talk, he pretends to be like the soda jerk yeah. and make an ice cream sundae or something. And then um, comes across a, what's it called? A book stand not you know one of those stands uh, that twirls and all of the books on that ream is is called the last man on earth Uh, um which spooks him and he runs out um 
so, you know, just kind of playing on what the episode is about. The, um, interestingly enough, which I noticed, which is kind of one of those, like, goofs that people find in shows, on that spiral bookcase, it's supposed to be that every single title is the last man on earth, but if you look at the backs of the books on the other side, they're not all the same. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> the appearance is supposed to be that it's um, this one book, but I caught the fact that it was not. Um, so just even more. And I think there are lots of instances in other Twilight Zone episodes where they have these little Easter egg type things that kind of uh, right. play into the title. Like where mm-hmm. the title is, where is everybody? This is the, the title. The books are called Last Man on Last Earth. Last Man on Earth, right. Um, and then it, it he gets um, to the... Theater. Goes to the theater. As it's starting to become night now. Right. Um, and the film that's advertised is called Battle Him. And it causes him to remember that he is in the Air Force. So he's walking right. around in a jump. Uh, it appears to look like a jumpsuit. Yeah, it's the a whole very time. military looking jumpsuit. He, he realizes he's in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. So some things are coming back to him. Um, and then. Uh, and then the, he sprints again in another panic again to find somebody in this location um he's already been to multiple locations and found nobody but it's Mm. he just continues that um same repetitive behavior getting more and more uh, Um, anxious and confused um and then so he runs from the um the theater and out into the street where there's like um a call button i guess that used to be a, a big thing in cities where if you needed help you could press the call, call button, button and it would um and that is where it dramatically shifts and we are no longer in the town right because he pushes the call button over and over again and kind of passes out and then we go back and we see that we're uh we're not in this town actually this whole time he's been in, in this is a twist ending that the follows is known for these twist endings and this isn't a huge twist but it, you know the first time i saw it i didn't expect this is what was going to happen but they, they he's he's in a deprivation chamber um for the air force because they're testing to see how long a man can be by himself uh because they're they want to put a man in space or a man on the moon or whatever this mm-hmm. is before the moon landing right so the moon mm-hmm. landing was 64 or something yeah this is 59 yeah um so this is you know it's, it's they're testing to see how far they can push this man before they put somebody in outer space mm-hmm. and they, they we see the doctors and scientists and the military people and um you know they get they pull the guy out of there and it says how many how many hours was he in there um tw- or days uh, for approximately 20 days, four and a half hours. But I forget what the actual, um, what he actually says. It's like, I don't know. He says the actual number of de- hours that he's a- mm-hmm. been alone in this, in, in this deprivation chamber. He has, um, he's basically been alone for 20 days and him, finally his mind kind of gives out on him and that's why he decides to push the button to get out now, they don't really tell us whether they've created this virtual reality world for him or if his brain just created it mm-hmm. um it's i don't i don't know what it insinuates like 
did his brain create what? But if his brain created it, why wouldn't he create people in it and see, like, so it must be some kind of way they controlled his brain to make him feel like he was alone in a town or something? Yeah, or just the... I mean, you, people have dreams sometimes, though, where they're walking through, and it's like that's it, your brain. It is kind of like a itself. dream, but it, it, yeah, it is kind of a dream. It's like but, a waking dream. Yeah, yeah, but he does push the button to. I mean, they, mm-hmm. we when we see it when it flips to him being in the deprivation chamber, he's pushing this button so much that he's like breaking it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. That's one of the things that leaves to your imagination, I guess, is that whether whether the the town was induced by the them mm-hmm. or as part of the experiment, or if he just created the town. And I think one of the things that I didn't realize on my first watching, but that I thought that he was in this town the entire time he was in the deprivation chamber. But I think it's actually he's been fine in the deprivation chamber okay. until now. So you and think this that, is okay. like after so many days, um, like he reached a certain point in the last couple of hours where he was just out of it yeah where he was okay so that would mean that he's hallucinating the whole thing that's based on your description of yeah. it, that he's he's created this town and and it, it also is like did he have to stay awake the whole time certainly he didn't stay awake for 20 days right it's just right. that he was alone and he's like he can't tell what time it is or what day it is um in a small enclosed place um which ties back into being in the enclosed uh phone booth you know it's not a very big deprivation chamber um yeah, but yeah, that's the twist, and then we we have some bit of narration at the end or whatever that says you know they look up at the moon and mm-hmm. um, yeah he says uh, next time he'll really will be all alone because they're insinuating yeah. that the next time he'll be on the moon like on the mission to right. the moon um, and he tells the moon not to go go away he'll be up there in a little while yeah so um, as they're wheeling him away um yeah so i did did you have this in your in your trivia uh notably rod serling was not a big fan of this episode Um, i did not know yeah i read it in the we're 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 kind of using the what is that book called we're using the twilight zone companion which is by mark scott zickery he wrote it in the 80s it's it's uh been around forever it's not a perfect book there's some mistakes in it and things but it's uh there's a couple good books on the twilight zone but this one has a really good detailed synopsis of each episode and some facts um if you want to get it and follow along with that it's a cool book to have we have the second edition and i think on amazon you can find the third the third yeah they may i know at some point somebody made a, a, a competing book because they were unhappy with the mistakes that were in this one but anyway it does have a lot of information and it said that um i was reading the chapter before we started and it said that rod serling was he didn't think it aged very well he was not a fan of it uh after some time to look back on it and he said the main problem he had with it which is kind of the problem of the episode for me too is that it rides too much on this narration of the main guy going around and and he said that at some point it kind of gets ridiculous because he's like he said he should have like had him go into the diner and see uh like a apron blowing and it looks like a person Mm -hmm. and then he goes and sees it's not a person but instead he just has this guy like screaming and rambling Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Not not screaming, but like kind of shouting. Hey, what? Hey, yeah. there's only so much a person can talk to themselves to narrate something like that mm-hmm. before it becomes kind of ridiculous. And it's like yeah. well, people wouldn't talk like that. Well, that I even made the so. note: who talks that loudly and to themselves or no one at all all right. the time? Like we do have the explanation that he's going crazy, so he's like, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's losing it. But it, it does. It's a little. 
I don't know. I guess they kind of don't give them enough to do, I think. Right. So in comparison, I was thinking, too, about uh, we watched during... uh, this period of quarantine, a bunch of movies, and one of them that was very similar to this one is actually called Moon. And it is a story, again, centered around one individual Mm -hmm. um, who is having, who is, he, in this case, he's, on a spaceship, um, so he's in space, but space he's, station, yeah, space right, station. Yeah. He's all yeah. alone, so yeah, all he is. Main, main um, base. But he has more to do, so you you don't have to hear him talk the talk whole time. To himself. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. I didn't think about that comparison, but there is some some of the DNA of this is in. I, I would imagine it influenced mm-hmm. um, whoever wrote that. I think it was David Bowie's son that wrote it. Um, that wrote Moon, but yeah, they they give Sam Rockwell's character in Moon has a lot more to do as he's kind of like unraveling. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the thing here. It's just a little bit like thin. And I think that like originally like old TV was originally set up, uh, dr- dr- dramatic TV was set up like a play. They would perform mm-hmm. these live plays on TV. And this was a period of time where it was transitioning away from that. And so I think that there's a little bit of that in that. This it kind of feels like a stilted stage play in some parts. And I think that they're just trying to like, you know, I think Serling and the other writers are just trying to sort of figure out how to make this stuff compelling and mm-hmm. do more with it um, and do do more exciting things with it. So, yeah, it's I I don't know. But that's not to say that that uh, what's his name again? Holloman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Holloman's performance is is very good. It would, like I said, it would the whole thing would fall apart if he was not a compelling actor. Um, but do you have any other uh, trivia for the episode? Um, look, so the only thing was going back to um, the book, The Last Man on Earth. Um, it it's actually published more frequently under the title I Am Legend. Oh, that is uh-huh. okay. Yeah, that and would be. And so it's been the basis for um, the Last Man on Earth from 1964, the Omega Man from 71, mm-hmm. and of course we all know the I Am Legend Will Smith right. movie from 2007. And that that book was written by Richard Matheson, who is uh, famous for his episodes of the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Very much did a lot of the the um, Twilight Zone episodes. Very prolific writer, um, and you know. It, he, he's one of those writers kind of like Philip K. Dick that has written all this stuff that you've seen TV shows and, and movies based on but you didn't know who Richard Matheson was mm-hmm. uh, but he's a big big part of the we'll see his name a lot more in these Twilight Zone episodes because he, he writes a, a fair share of them so. interesting I did not yeah. know that when I found the um that's I'm sure that's why that he was a collaborator with Sterling mm-hmm. so I'm sure that there was a it was purposeful um yeah the only other note that I made was just and I think this is just a product of me being born in the 80s and growing up. It, everything is just so cheap. <laughs> it's yeah, crazy yeah. to me, like, the prices. And it's also it's like interesting. two cents for an ice cream yeah, sundae. It's interesting to think about a world where um, they had not been to space yet. Because in my lifetime, we have always been... We have always had been in space, a yeah. very different, different world. Time. It's like that is a us. that's a part of the sort of uh, conceit of the episode is like, oh, wouldn't it be great if somebody could go to the moon? And like now we think mm-hmm. of it and we're like, oh, wow, it's we take it for granted. You know? Yeah, so, been there, yeah. done that. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's according <laughs> to some people. Um yeah, so we I guess we can go over like what our opinions of the show, the episode or like uh, the relevance of it. Um it uh it definitely is I think it's a it's an 
it's a good first episode because it sets a very easy to follow premise and kind of sets up what the show is going to be. If you followed that, if you watched it, you would be a little bit surprised at the end and you'd be like, oh, this is what this show is. It's going to be something that's going to turn something shocking to what, you know, relatively mm-hmm. shocking at the end. It's going to have a twist. Um, <clears throat> it does, it's eerie. It's well acted. It's very simple. Um, so I think in that regard, it's a good first episode. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it it would have set it up so that you would want to watch the next episode, which is what a pilot yeah. You want a pilot mm-hmm. to do um, comparing it, which they wouldn't have been able to write then because it was the only episode. But comparing it to later episodes, it's not my favorite. I don't think it's the worst. Um, yeah. It's kind of middle of the road for me. Yeah, it, it doesn't. I, I tend to to like the episodes that have more of a supernatural bent to them um something that's like super unexplainable or whatever Mm. and this one's a little straightforward and a little dry um in regards to that there's no like alien that's pulling the strings or anything like that um i also think that it's i mean it's very good but it's also so serling the the thing that inspires me about the twilight zone is that serling uh he couldn't make the types of stories he wanted to in normal tv so he decided to to turn to sci-fi to be able to tell stories about subjects that were taboo on regular network Mm -hmm. television like racism and uh extremism and uh the horrors of war things like that and so he turned to this medium where he could use metaphors of you know aliens invading and things like that to tell stories about the human condition mm-hmm. and social injustice. And I love that about the show, but this episode doesn't really, ha- doesn't have that sort of angle to it. And they right. don't, all the episodes don't have to have that. Some of them are just simple, good stories, but I think that this, the strength of the show and some of the strongest episodes is trying to um, tell you something, I guess, try to educate you on something or try to make a point. And there's just not much of a point in this one. It's it's pretty like, like cut and dry. It's that, that people yeah. need, a, need interaction with people. But um, Well, and I think it, in a lot of the other episodes, it just kind of pushes the the boundaries of what you concede as conceive as reality. Mm-hmm. Like it talks about, we named the podcast after it, the dimensions of your imagination. Yeah. Um, it pushes that boundary. And this, I mean, it, it makes you, it gives you anxiety because he's alone mm-hmm. and he doesn't know why. And no individual wants to be alone that much. You know, everybody kind of gets squirmy if you're alone for too long by yourself. Yeah. Um, but it's not anything that, you know, when they reveal why, then you're like, oh, okay. You know, anxiety yeah. relieved. It's a simple explanation. It doesn't kind of push the boundaries of your thought. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think about, oh, well, how long would I last before I cracked up when if I was away from people, which I think I would go longer than that, but I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, but it doesn't... I, the, the episode is kind of boring, you know? It's not mm-hmm. horribly boring. It's not to where I would turn it off, but it's not exciting in any way. Right. Um, it's, it's, it, it accomplishes what it sets out to do, which is to make you curious until the ending, um, and then it doesn't have much more to say. So I can see... I can definitely see why Serling was a little you know critical of his own work there um but i don't know it's decent 
Mm-hmm. It's a good place to start if you haven't watched the Twilight Zone before. Start with the first episode, and it's it's good. Yeah. Um, mm. All right. So, do you want to give it a grade? Okay. Um, I think we decided to do a one to ten scale. Yeah, we're gonna do a one to ten scale on these. So. Mm. I would say it's probably like a four point five for me. I was gonna give it a five. I think it's straight down the middle. I think that yeah. based on Holloman's strong performance pushes it a little bit further for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and it's well shot. I mean, it's pretty. Yeah, it it's is. like a nice. There's a, and that's one thing that people underestimate about the Twilight Zone is each episode's like a, a beautifully shot film like there's so many great camera angles and uh, the editing is is amazing and of course the 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 sound design and the music is fantastic and it and paved the way for a lot of things that we take for granted now yeah so we're gonna give this episode a five i guess 4.5 mm-hmm. to five um and yeah it was fine good place yeah. to start so uh do you want to wrap it up yeah so um if you guys are watching along with us our next episode we're not normally going to go this much in order um but we watched the pilot and then we're going to watch one of my favorite twilight zone episodes which is actually season one episode two one for the angels um okay. and if you guys need to know where you can find uh the Twilight, the original Twilight Zone, oh, it yeah. is on Netflix and Hulu and CBS All Access, so it's pretty. Yeah, it's kind of impressive. It's on so many platforms, um, but yeah, yeah and the, I, I think I've I've watched episodes on all of those platforms, and they're all really nice transfers, really clean looking. Um, so yeah, check it out, and uh, yeah, so watch one for the angels for next time, and uh, I guess we'll be back next week. Yep. Wrap it up. Thanks for listening.